Welcome to Downtown Harbor Church, everyone. We're excited that you're here. Um, I uh, went back and listened to John's message last week, um, and since I listened to his message, um, I therefore started to uh, look at the want ads, and so I, uh, I was starting, and I noticed that Barry's Bagels was hiring in town, so I applied to be their night shift supervisor. We'll see if that works or not, but no, in all reality, John did a great job last week, and um, I'm so excited that he was able to come up here and communicate and that the response was really well, so thanks so much for being a part of that. Um, it was a really cool thing. We are starting a four-week series, and it's called It's Not In There. See, at Downtown Harbor Church, we kind of pride ourselves on redefining things. We kind of pride ourselves on redefining things in the city of Fort Lauderdale. And actually, when we're redefining the church experience, you discover that we're not really redefining anything. We're just actually helping things go back to the way that they were supposed to be. And so one of the things that we've discovered in our interactions with Christians and in our interactions with the church and the Jesus movement is that we've seen throughout our time in that church world and interactions with people, that a lot of people tell us things that aren't necessarily in the Bible, that they would tell us things that aren't in the ancient scripture. And so for the next four weeks, we're actually going to take a look at four of those things that people consistently tell us are in the scripture, are in the Bible, but they're actually, when we look at it, they're not there. And the first one, which is really exciting to us, you all came on a good week um, if it's your first time here, because our first one is one that is kind of controversial. Our first one is one that I've actually wanted to talk about for a long, long time. In my journey with the church, I have been involved with church since I have been a kid. I have always heard this one, and I thought to myself, I can't find that anywhere in the scripture. I can't find this statement. So I want to talk about it today. Here it is, alcohol. Now, let me give the disclaimer on this message before I launch into it. If you are under the age of 21 and you are in this room, everything that I'm about to say to you today is to be applied to your life after you turn 21. Because if you are under the age of 21, it is illegal for you to consume alcohol in the United States of America. You have two options, in my opinion. You wait, or if you don't wait, you get busted. Okay, So wait until you're 21 to drink. 19 in Canada if you want to go up there, but that's a long flight, okay? So please, wait till after you're 21 to apply anything that I'm going to say today. But we are talking about alcohol, and we are talking about this thing, alcohol, which is this weird almost drug, right? Because that's what alcohol is. Alcohol is a drug. Alcohol actually, when put into your system, modifies your behavior. That's what a drug is. A drug is something that you put into your life that kind of alters you as a person. So alcohol is that. And the first thing that alcohol Alcohol effects is what, if you know anything about it, is it affects the brain. And the brain controls kind of the rest of the body. So it's important for us to understand what alcohol is and how actually to use it. Furthermore, we need to understand what the scripture says about alcohol because it actually has a lot to say about it. But if we want to talk about what I've heard about alcohol throughout my entire journey in the church and with Christians, I've heard a phrase over and over again. I heard it a lot when I started working at churches, and it was a phrase that was really, really like, it was like out there, like it was really important to Christians that I knew in the churches. And I kept thinking throughout my entire life, I don't remember hearing this phrase anywhere or reading it anywhere in the actual scripture, in the actual text. So without further ado, here's the phrase. Don't drink. The phrase is don't drink. 
In fact, some people that I know, Christians in churches that I know, have taken this to an exponential level. Let me tell you what I mean. There are organizations, churches, Christian organizations that believe in this so strongly that they actually kind of make their employees or their members. Now, we don't have membership at Downtown Harbor Church, but, we, um, but they make those people who would be employees or members sign something that says that they will not drink alcohol. They will not consume this substance, this thing. They will not put it into their body. It can't happen. But at the end of the day, there's a problem with that. And here's the problem with that kind of thinking or mentality. Here's the problem. It's not in there. I've looked. I've torn it cover from cover, cover to cover. I've Googled it. I've Wikipedia'd it. I looked on Instagram. I couldn't find it there either, right? It's not in there. Furthermore, some organizations that I've been a part of have taken this to such a level that they hold their people accountable to this, and when they don't abide by it, there are repercussions to it. Let me tell you a quick story. I didn't drink any kind of alcohol before I turned 21. In fact, on my 21st birthday, there was a huge group of people who went out to celebrate, and we went out to a Mexican restaurant, and I had my first drink ever. It was a margarita. It was delicious, right? In fact, I had a couple of them, not a lot, but just a few, and I wasn't drunk. I actually had full control of my actions, things were good, but I went out to celebrate on my 21st birthday 12 years ago. Well, word got around back to the church that I worked at, and I was actually called into an office with an associate pastor, and he said something to me, and he said this, he said, we got a problem. At our church, you can't do that. You can't participate in those activities, and I said, well, wait a second. I said, I didn't do anything wrong. I was fully in control. I didn't, there was nothing stupid happened. Like, what, why? And he's like, this is our church policy. And then I asked him a question and he didn't have a response for it. And it was one of those moments where I was like, I need to do something about this in my life because I said to him, I said, but there's a problem. I've read the scriptures and here's the point. It's not in there. I can't find it. Why are we doing things to each other that aren't actually in the scriptures that we believe. It doesn't make sense to me. So we had to talk about it. The policy stood. I moved on. But here's the point. If it's not in there, if that phrase don't drink is not in there, what is in there? Because I said the scriptures actually have a lot to say about alcohol. The scriptures have a ton to say about it. More specifically, if the phrase don't drink isn't in there, they have a ton to say about what it means to be drunk. There's a big difference between drinking and being drunk. So let's dive in and take a look at what it says. Now, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 says this. It's really important. Don't be what? drunk with wine because that will this is so this is so cool ruin your life ruin your life it will ruin your life instead be filled with the spirit so it basically says don't be drunk don't do it it'll ruin your life there are consequences to it which i'm going to talk about in a little bit but here's the question we have to answer because even this is vague even this is not black and white because as we were going through this in the last couple of months and kind of determining what we wanted to say about this issue, here is the question that I want to ask you about what we've just read. What is drunk? What is drunk? Because I'm going to tell you something. What might be drunk for you is, might be different for you. 
A glass of wine can knock some people on their keister, if you've seen this, right? But at the end of the day, let me just tell you a quick story about a guy. Anybody ever heard of Andre the Giant? Okay, he was a former professional wrestler who was this gargantuan man. And the legend in like articles came out about him that he used to drink between three and four bottles of wine every single night at dinner. And he was fine. It didn't even affect him because he was such a large man and he had such a tolerance for this. Look at me. If I drank three or four bottles of wine, you would see me face up in a swamp in Davie, Florida. Like that's where I would end up. Right? Because I could never handle myself. I would be drunk. Here's the point, is that you have to figure out where your limits are and be responsible within those limits because it's going to be different for every single person in the room. But at Downtown Harbor Church, I kind of wanted to set a standard for what we would kind of define as drunk. What we would kind of go, okay, here's kind of our definition of drunk. And when the scripture says, this is wrong, you shouldn't do this because it will ruin your life, this is what we think that means. So take a look at this. Here it is. When you lose the ability to control your own actions, when you lose the ability to no longer be in control of your decision-making and your actions, we believe that when alcohol has come to a level in your system that you can no longer be in control of your own actions, that quantifies yourself as drunk. And the scripture says that will ruin your life if you do it consistently, right? You don't want to do that. It's going to ruin your day-to-day -day experience. It's going to ruin your life. Now, I actually brought a video that I wanted to show you because some people will go, well, what do you, what do you mean lose control of your actions? What does, that, what does that look like for kind of each individual? And do you have an example of what that might look like for someone? Mm-hmm. I brought it. So um, we're going to take a look at the screen just a moment. I don't care how many times you see that. <laughs> Here's the point. That's funny to us. But I bet you when he came to who it wasn't funny to him, because we don't know his story. We don't know that man. But I can only imagine if that was his yard, there might have come a point in time where his wife came home from work and found him. And I don't know if you've ever been like that before. But when you have to answer to someone who comes home and finds you like that, it's not always a pretty scene. Maybe he didn't get up to go to work the next day and lost his job. Maybe a storm came through as he was lying on that fence and his complete week was ruined. Or maybe, just maybe, a couple of guys rolled by with a camera and now 20 million people have seen it on YouTube and he's now known as the town drunk in his town in Australia. Because he lost the ability to control his own actions. And here's the thing. 
even that that might be humorful to us who would watch it, at the end of the day, it's really not funny because we don't know what he had to go through on the other side. But the scripture says a lot more about being drunk. It has a lot to say about it. In fact, it's all throughout the scripture. It has a lot to say about it. Here's what it says. Proverbs 20, verse 1. Wine produces mockers. Alcohol leads to brawls. Those led astray, drunk, those who've lost it by drink, look, cannot be wise. Cannot be wise. Here's another one. Here's what it says. Luke 21, 34. Watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness and by the worries of this life. Don't let your heart uh, be dulled by that. Watch out. Don't do it. And then finally, there was a kind of an incident in the book of Acts where people were kind of, they thought that they were drunk, but they really weren't. But I just wanted to bring up this because it's kind of a fun thing. Acts 2.15, these people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that, unless you live in Fort Lauderdale. Because I don't know if you've been out there lately, but they're everywhere, okay? Here's the deal. Being drunk, not controlling your actions, it will cost you eventually. It will. And if you've been there, you know this. Here's what I like to do. If the phrase don't drink isn't in the ancient scripture, and it's not, what did Jesus have to say about this? Jesus is the only human incarnation of God that has ever walked the earth, and we want to know what did he have to say about this? What did he do with alcohol? What did he do with wine? What did he, the main guy, the main man, have to say about it? Now, we at Downtown Harbor Church have been looking uh, for the last few weeks and months at some parables that Jesus told. Now, Jesus told stories that were made up as parables. What I'm about to tell you is not a parable. This is a story that is history, that actually happened. There were eyewitness accounts of this event, and it was translated over time to where we can see it today. But this is a story that is real, okay? So, it starts off in the book of John, chapter 2, and here's what it says. The next day, there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were invited to the celebration. It's a party. They're celebrating somebody getting married. This is a good thing. This is a big deal. Jesus and his buddies were there. They're ready to have a good time. They're ready to celebrate. That's okay. The wine supply ran out during the festivities. So Jesus' mother told him they have no more wine. Now, have you ever been at a party when the wine runs out? It basically becomes the Department of Motor Vehicles at that point, doesn't it? Gosh, it's brutal. And people wanted to do something about this so the party could continue. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, hey, do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons each. Six empty jars that could hold up to 30 gallons. That's 180 gallons that potentially could hold water in there. 180 potential gallons. Jesus told the servants, big stuff about to happen. Fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. 
So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over and said, a host always serves the best wine first. He was confused. Why was the master of ceremonies doing this? Jesus turned water into wine, and it was the finest wine that they've ever tasted. And the bridegroom was confused because you know this if you've thrown a party. You don't bring out the good wine at the end. You give them the three-buck chuck from Trader Joe's after they've already lubed up, right? You don't do that, okay? That's what you do. So, here, so they're going, why are you bringing out the good stuff now? I don't get it, okay? And then... Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you've kept the best until now. Then, oh, but you've kept, okay, the miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Now, let me tell you why this is such a big deal. Jesus, who performed miracles on this earth, almost to confirm to us that he was God himself. His first miracle was that he turned water into wine. Now, I don't think that Jesus turned water into wine, specifically the best wine they'd ever tasted for us to just stare at. I don't think he did. I don't think that's why he did it. And I don't think specifically he did that so that we could sit back 2,000 years later and go, mm, maybe that's not really what he did. Because one of the things I've been told throughout my kind of career and throughout my affiliation with the church is I've been told this by people, almost lifelong Christians. The wine that they're referring to here, mm, that's not real wine. It was kind of grape juice or some other form of it, but it definitely isn't the wine that would get someone drunk or that someone who would, they would, they would drink. It's not alcohol. I did some research. In the original translation of the scriptures, the Greek, the word oinon, O-I-N-O-N, is the word that is used in the original translation to describe wine. Oinon is the exact same phrase that was used in the Old Testament to describe what Noah got drunk on when he was out of his mind drunk. It's the same exact word, which means that anyone who would tell you that this is not the same kind of wine has no idea what they are talking about. I would dare say to them, bull, you who might think that, are self-righteous and only pushing your own moral, spiritual agenda on other people that is not biblical. And you're also, in my opinion, mocking the miracles of Jesus. And I want you to know this. I want you to know this from the bottom of my heart. Jesus didn't perform miracles for us to mock them. He didn't do this so that we could sit thousands of years later and go, mm, I'm not sure that's what he really did. I'm not sure that's what he really meant. That's like when he tells us to love our neighbor as ourselves, all of our neighbors as ourselves, every one of them. We kind of sit back and go, eh, it doesn't mean this person. It doesn't mean her or him. He didn't do these things so that we could sit back and mock them all these years later. Now, let me kind of bring this home and land the plane in the next six or seven minutes. Here's what I want you to know. Nowhere 
Nowhere, nowhere, nowhere in the ancient scripture does it say not to drink. Nowhere. It's not in there. It's not in there. You can look. It's not there. Check me. It's not there. It does, however, mention many times not to get drunk. Not to lose control of your own actions. So, what does that mean for us? Here at Downtown Harbor Church, those of us who are a part of this new movement, this new thing in downtown Fort Lauderdale. We just were celebrated four months the other day, which was really cool. But those of us who are a part of this, what does that mean for us? So I developed some questions that I hope to be able to answer for you today so that you can take it away from here and you can have a different journey related to this topic and this idea. Here's the question. Shouldn't we, people who are involved in church, people who are a part of the Jesus movement, shouldn't we set an example for other people? Furthermore, shouldn't we choose not to drink as an example for other people? Here's what I want you to know. If you choose not to drink, that is great. That is awesome. That is your choice. And you know what? We celebrate that. That's a big deal. And that's a cool thing, right? But here's what you can't do if you choose not to drink. You can't use the ancient scriptures or the Bible as a crutch to do that because it's not in there. If you don't want to do it, that's fine. That's great. We would just high five and go, that's awesome. But you can't use what isn't there to support your convictions on that. Okay? Now, so shouldn't we set an example and not do that? Here's the example that I think we should set at Downtown Harbor Church. If you choose to participate in the consumption of alcohol moderately... I think we should be the most normal, cool, out there in the community people who could say to others who are out there with us who aren't a part of what we're doing, we've chosen to participate in this responsibly for the first time. That's the example I think that we should set. That's what we should be showing culture if we choose to participate in alcohol consumption. And if you don't, that's cool. But if you do, that's the example that you should set for other people. Now, what if, I know, what if I know someone who struggles with alcoholism? We're going to get personal for a moment. Alcoholism is a disease and a very, very sad one. If you are in the room or you're listening to this podcast and you struggle with alcoholism, you should not drink at all. Stay away from it. Don't go near it. It will ruin your life. If you are someone who has fallen victim to that and you can't casually consume it, stay as far away from it as you can. And for those of us who might know people who struggle with alcoholism, it's on us to make wise choices for what we do around them. It's for us to make wise choices for how we might consume alcohol around someone else. It's up to us to have the appropriate conversations and to abstain when necessary if it's going to cause someone else to fall back into this. But allow me to tell you this, you don't even need the ancient scripture to tell you that. Here's what you need, common sense. Because you don't want to see someone who is suffering with this continue to suffer. Who would want to see someone do that? Have you known anybody who's an alcoholic? It is extremely sad what they go through. And my heart breaks for them. 
So if you know someone who struggles with alcoholism or you struggle with alcoholism, mind your behavior around them. If you do struggle with it, don't drink, ever. Stay away from it. It is a drug in your life that is out of control. Really serious there. Here's this one. What happens when I cross the line with alcohol? Because at the end of the day, most of us have or might sometime in the future. Because you know what? Sometimes it sneaks up on you and you don't expect it. What happens when you cross the line with alcohol and you get drunk and you lose control of your actions? You know what I'm about to say if you've been there. You will have regret, there will be consequences, and you will have to eventually own up to what you did, the decisions you made during those moments. You will. It's just a fact. And here's the deal. I guarantee you, if you do this, let me tell you what is a guarantee for 7 or 8 a.m. the next morning. You ready? You will go through those text messages and go, what was I thinking? It will happen. So you want to avoid this at all costs. You don't want to have to do this. Let me tell you, because we are transparent as heck around here at Downtown Harbor Church. I've been there. And it stinks the next morning. I was going to say another word, but there are minors in the room. Okay, so that's the deal. So I try to watch my behavior up here. Okay. No, but this is not fun. You don't want to deal with this. That's why the scripture talks about that. Not to rob us of fun or to say, no, this is, you know, you can't be a person who does this and have a blast. It's not the reason why. It's because there's so much regret and consequence that goes into this. Here's what I want you to know as you leave. And as we kind of bring this to a close and kind of lay on the plane, here's what I want you to know. Drinking alcohol is not wrong. Losing control of your actions is wrong. Drinking alcohol is not wrong. Losing control of your actions is wrong. And if you choose not to drink, as I said before, that's good. But if you choose to, don't lose control of your actions. Things for you will be miserable. You will have to pick up the pieces. And it is not fun. But never not one time in the scripture does it mention the phrase, don't drink. It's not in there. When you lose control of your actions, that's the thing that you'll eventually have to come to terms with and pay the price for. And here's the deal why I say this today, because I don't want anybody to have to deal with that. It's not good. I never want to deal with that again. It's not good. That's why it's important for us to understand what it actually says versus what we've been told that it says. Let me pray for us. God, thanks so much for today and what's going on here at Downtown Harbor Church. We're so pumped about just kind of who you are and what you're doing here in the lives of people in Fort Lauderdale. And um, I pray that you would help those of us who need to understand this, understand it today. And I pray that you would allow us to grasp this better than ever before so we actually understand what's in there and what isn't. Because we don't want to be weird and represent you in, an, in a non-true way to a culture that needs it. Help us, Lord, to get it, to grasp it, 
and to implement it in our lives with all that we do. And we give you just so much thanks for just being with us today and helping us to learn and grow. For this in Jesus' name, amen.